Welcome to the Electric Rodeo, an adult toy megastore podcast about sex, pleasure, relationships, and everything in between. I'm your host, Emma Hewitt, a sex educator and sex toy enthusiast. Every episode, I take a deep dive into a fascinating new topic, talk to experts, and answer common sex questions. Because sex is normal, messy, pleasurable, intimidating, and a hell of a lot of fun. Let's take a ride. I think one of the biggest things we struggle to accept is that the way that we live our lives outside of the bedroom affects how we then experience our mind and body once we like step into the bedroom. I'm talking to Michelle Casey. She's a holistic sexuality and conscious love luminary who coaches clients to transition out of sexual shame, shutdown, and trauma into holding a liberated relationship with their erotic self. So on this episode, we are talking about the magic of masturbation. It releases chemicals that make us feel good. It reduces stress, eases pain, helps us to learn about our bodies, and it has the potential to feel really, really good. Yet, regardless of all of these benefits, historically, masturbation has had a bad rap and is still considered a shameful activity by many. And there are all sorts of reasons for this. Your parents, your church, a complete lack of pleasure education as part of sex ed at school, fear of being caught or reprimanded in your youth, the somehow still popular idea that you shouldn't masturbate if you are in a relationship, or the belief that masturbation is the devil's typewriter which is my personal fave. While we can't go back in time and change how we learned about masturbation, we can change how we talk about it now and hopefully help out our future generations a little. Because in the words of our queen RuPaul, if you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love somebody else? In this episode, we discuss why sexual shame and particularly shame around masturbation is still so pervasive offer tips for pushing past this shame, and provide some ideas for making your masturbation practice magic. But I obviously had to start by asking Michelle where the title of Love Luminary came from, because it is just so damn fabulous. Yeah, so the luminary part is me being a romantic artist, so the inspiration behind that is that My work is about shining a light on people's path of erotic rediscovery and so less romantically what that involves (laughs) is working with people to transition them from a place of sexual shame, shutdown, smallness, trauma into like owning a liberated, authentic and embodied relationship with their sexual selves. And how long have you been doing this? I've been doing this for a little over five years in this kind of capacity. Before that, I had a blog called billybomb.com. That was the first place that I started speaking about sex on the internet when it felt like a very rebellious act. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, before that, I've been a central movement teacher for almost 11 years now. Wow. Yeah, so I got into this work really because I was looking for my own sexual liberation. I was really shut down sexually. I was stuck in something so many people experience, which is that performative kind of sex where I would be, you know, moaning and faking pleasure through what often was pain. 
And I was really sitting with the sense that this wasn't like the wholeness and the fullness of my sexual experience, even though it was quite scary for me to even desire something more. But I kind of followed that inner spark into a pole dancing studio when I was 19 years old. And that was really the first big step in my sexual liberation. It's where I really unlearned so much body shame and learned how to take up space and express myself sexually through movement. And then after doing that for a few years, I just noticed that it was shifting so much, but it wasn't getting to some of this like deeper stuff. I wasn't really feeling pleasure in a different way. My experience of sex hadn't transformed. And I just like still felt that there was something missing. There was this general not feeling truly satisfied by my sexual experiences. And so I basically started to look for what there was out there at the time. And there was very little, especially in New Zealand, um, you know, six years ago. And so I just geeked out. I started reading all of the books that I could. I ended up retraining in sexuality because I was like, okay, this is just really what I'm looking for. I saw how many women were coming to pole for the same thing. Mm. And then I I retrained, started writing a blog, and then eventually transitioned out of my corporate career into what I do now. (laughs) Oh, that is just so inspiring. I feel like you've just convinced like a hundred listeners to do exactly the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you offer both private coaching for individuals and couples. So what are they coming to you for? What are people taking away from a session with you? Yeah, I work with folks of all genders and couples on anything in the space of sex, pleasure, body, radical self-love and relationships. And so I work with people both when they either want to move through challenges and blocks in their sexual experience or relationships. So that might be they've never experienced an orgasm before, they're pre-orgasmic, or they have found themselves dependent or addicted to porn. They feel pelvic pain during sex. They just have no idea what it is that they desire or want and need when it comes to sex. So they feel disempowered to have conversations about that. So anything from that to supporting people to really shift from a baseline into sexual thriving and then into sexual mastery. So a huge part of my work is about experiencing really embodied and erotic sex. And so I use the word erotic inspired by Audre Lorde, Mm -hmm. who really talks about eroticism as distinct from what she talks about in the context of her work as the pornographic. So sex without feeling and eroticism being sex or like life and pleasure with full feeling. And so I really love to work with people that are ready to reclaim that for themselves because it just transforms so much in your life as well as expanding your orgasmic experience, reclaiming the fullness of your orgasmic nature, experiencing new types of orgasms, wanting to do sex magic and manifest Mm -hmm. through the power of your life force, your kundalini. So, yeah. Wow. Now let's dive into masturbation. It is the season after all. So for the listeners that don't know, May is masturbation month. So enjoy yourselves. Um, But let's (laughs) chat about some of the benefits of masturbation. There are so many, of course. So do you want to take us through a few of your favorites? Yeah. So perhaps my current favorite is that 
Masturbation is the place where you can really learn about your erotic body. So I talk about knowing your body better than anyone else because confidence comes from what we know. And so many of us have breakdowns of confidence in life, but especially in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. And so masturbation is a place where you can really enrich the relationship that you have with your sexual self. It's also something that has the power to improve your mood because it releases four feel-good chemicals into your system as well as combating the body's stress hormones, so cortisol. It also increases blood flow, dulls pain, hashtag period sex or period (laughs) self-pleasure. And there's even research that shows that it can lower your risk of cancer, it can improve your sleep quality. It's... Really, really fucking powerful yeah. stuff. <laughs> Are we allowed to swear on this podcast? Of course. Okay, this is the good. electric radio. We can do what we want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think you might be the first person that's ever actually you hard on the show. Really? <laughs> we joke about it at work all the time, but I don't know if anyone's ever done it. So thank you so much. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> Now, with all of this in mind, there is still so much shame and guilt around sexuality in general, and a lot of this seems to come up in relation to masturbation in particular. So why do you think that is? What are some of the causes of this? There are so many things that affect us on the personal lived experience level, as well as things that are related to the systems that we are swimming in. So on the personal level... You know, risk and reproduction focused sex ed. Many of us first formed a relationship with masturbation in spaces that maybe had some risk and unsafety associated with it. So what I mean by that is, you know, worrying about being snapped, uh, whether it's in the bedroom or for me in the bathroom in mm-hmm. the shower, like <laughs> finding these places where you're like, oh. And, you know, a lot of that, is this okay, can get wired into our nervous systems from those early formative experiences with self-pleasure. Things like self-pleasure just doesn't get talked about. And so that contributes to the sense of, am I allowed to do this? Is anyone else doing this? I know for me, when I was young, I remember having this like, first conversation about masturbation with some girlfriends walking home maybe we were at intermediate or early years in college and there was such a divide where me and one other friend kind of were like oh yeah yeah we do it like really nervously and then the two other friends were like oh yuck I can't believe you do you know and these kinds of I think so many of us have experiences like this that have disrupted a natural and empowered connection to our masturbation and then if we zoom out from there right we have capitalist culture which really gives us gifts us (laughs) this mindset of scarcity and productivity and as powerful as masturbation and pleasure is it is not productive in the eyes of capitalism right and so that can contribute to the sense of guilt you know alongside that body shame culture patriarchal culture trauma and intergenerational trauma there's so much here and I think it's so important to 
again and again take inventory of these things because when we can do that it helps us to be like ah okay this is why I'm experiencing this shutdown this is why I'm experiencing these blockages can I allow myself a greater sense of self-compassion which is a truly healing and transformative force in and of itself yeah it's so difficult because it feels like everything growing up is almost turning us away from being allowed to even enjoy our bodies and things so it's a total relearning I feel like that is required on like a social and societal level but also personally it's just for so many people everyone I talk to about it has had similar experiences with like exactly what you've talked about trying to hide it from someone or having people shame you for talking about it So how do these problems show up in our sexual lives? So I know that they can impact the body's capacity to even experience pleasure. Do you find that this is the case with some of your clients? Mm, Yeah. So you said like body, the body's experience of pleasure in there. And I think it's so helpful for us to know that even if we are, say, consuming heaps of content about sex positivity, we're reading the books, we're listening to podcasts, including this one, (laughs) we can start to change the stories that we have in our mind about sex, which is really powerful. But we also need to be with the body's experience because the body remembers things. The body keeps the scores, Bessel van der Kolk says. And so quite often we can feel quite confused. Like, why do I feel this guilt, this shame, this resistance, this fear, this like inability to inhabit my body and my eroticism when my mind is like, I know this is okay. Like, this is irrational. And so when it comes to ways that this can show up, perhaps resistance to looking at your vulva. I know this is something many people experience. Mm -hmm. Things like contracting an STD and now feeling too afraid to date can be something that is laid over the top of a deeper sense of sexual shame. Mm -hmm. Feeling like your pussy or your genitals smell or taste gross, feeling that sense of like dirtiness after masturbation and sex or that sense of exhaustion, not knowing what you truly want and need and being afraid to really face off with your authentic desires, blocks to orgasm. There are so many ways that this like shame response, which is really a protective mechanism that our body has like got for us. It's a stress response, a protective mechanism, an evolutionary tool that's trying to keep us safe. Yeah, it can show up in all these ways. Wow, terrifying. (laughs) How do we stop this from happening in the first place? (laughs) So knowing this, what tips do you have for those wanting to move beyond sexual shame? So I'm sure that this is, of course, different from person to person, but do you have any kind of generalized tips that people can apply? Absolutely. So awareness is step one for transformation, and often this is the hardest part I really encourage listeners to start to build an awareness of how you experience it, how it shows up in your belief systems, in your body, in your choices, like where it shows up. Because when we can be willing to like turn to face that shame, we then are empowered to actually shift our relationship to it. So from there, kind of echoing what I said earlier, inviting us into self-compassion for that sexual shame and so often our natural response is to go to war 
with that shame and kind of be like, shame, you dick, why are you here? Why are you like pussy blocking my pleasure, <laughs> cock blocking my pleasure in relationships? When actually when we can you know, meet that part of ourselves with understanding, with acceptance, that's when it supports it to integrate and shift. And that is not a one and done. That's something we often have to do again and again and again. And a question that you might ask these parts of yourself that are carrying this fear, this protective shame is, hey, shame, what is it that you need from me today? Like, what is it that you need from me in this moment? And really like looking at that part of you with the best friend glasses, right? Yeah. Like if I was seeing this shame as my bestie, how might I choose to like love it up? Yeah, not always the easiest way to approach those feelings, eh? Yeah, for sure. And you know, the last piece on what I'll say there is how we also need to begin building a relationship with our desire. So we want to integrate the blocks whilst we're also deepening into where we want to go, right? So starting to familiarize yourself with the parts of your desire that you are aware of. Like, how do you feel it in your body? Once again, what are you curious about? What comes up when you might give yourself permission to fantasize and where might there be desire living within that? And what about tips for those that don't necessarily experience guilt or maybe shame around masturbation, but they just want to kind of take things up a notch a little bit? Do you have like three favorite masturbation tips that you can share with us? Totally. So for people that have reclaimed their sexual selves and they're like, okay, I'm ready for expansion. What I love to support people to do is to really evolve their relationship to orgasm from one of seeking like peak orgasmic experiences. So Mm -hmm. like build up, build up, build up, release. And there's this like climax. And then we kind of come down the hill relatively fast to then asking yourself, well, how can I masturbate in a way that connects me to my orgasmic nature? So things that support us to do that, relaxing the body, Mm-hmm. right slowing down which can be really tough to do yes. right so even when you're trying it's like I want to slow down but my my hand just keeps moving this fast <laughs> right so breathing relaxing slowing down and learning how to move pleasure around your body so there's quite a lot of technique to learn in there but what that facilitates is the experience of valley orgasms alongside peak orgasms. Neither of these are better or worse than the other. It's just if you want to keep growing your sexual experience, this is a place you might be curious to go. And so valley orgasms is like feeling not just this down and out, out of your sexual energy that facilitates orgasm, right? It's like letting it fill up your entire body and that orgasmic experience can last for a much, much, much longer time. And we often feel more satiated and energized afterwards because we haven't like pushed all of our life force out. (laughs) And so, yeah, inviting people to maybe explore with those intentions in their next pleasure play. Oh, I love that. The valley versus the peak. (laughs) (laughs) I read and hear so often about this idea of like setting the scene for masturbation and pleasure with other people as well. Um, Do you have a practice or like a scene or scenario that you set to get yourself in the mood for some solo pleasure? 
For me, setting the scene is all about supporting yourself to transition. Often we spend a lot of the day in do mode and then it's quite difficult to transition into be mode. And often we think we should be able to do that like flick of a switch yeah. when when we can use setting the scene as like, how do I allow myself to transition? So for me, what that often looks like is lighting candles, playing music. I love music as part of my self-pleasure. I actually have a sensual self-pleasure playlist on my Spotify if anyone wants to go and masturbate to that. (laughs) Amazing. I will put that link in the show notes. (laughs) Yeah, so I'll flick that on. I also have a tapestry that I like to throw down for certain styles of practices. I'll smell my essential oils. So these will be these like physical things in my space that can help me with that. And then a ritual that I love to do that you can do both in masturbation or in partnered sex as well is saying aloud or journaling or sharing the expectations you want to drop before starting your sesh. So that might sound like I'm letting go of this goal of orgasm or I'm letting go of this expectation that I have to look a particular kind of sexy. I'm letting go of this expectation that, or this idea that my belly is too fat and it's going to look like it's bouncing around, whatever might be there. And then setting intentions that feel more aligned with your desires. So that could sound like my intention is to focus on my breath. My intention is to be present with the sensations of pleasure moment to moment. My intention is to connect with my heart. Oh, I love this. I'm taking down so many mental notes. You're going to get so much feedback from me. (laughs) So this is a little bit of a for me, but I'm sure it's going to be really helpful for the listeners as well. So Do you have tips for those with wandering minds? So how can we focus more and be more aware on our bodies and what they are experiencing rather than allowing our minds to drift off? Because I'm a total drifter. My mind is very overactive and I struggle to slow it down. So any tips you have would be just amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I got you. I got you. (laughs) Yeah, so... Thanks firstly for normalizing this. You know, my brain does the same thing. Our brains always want to distract us with stuff. And I think one of the biggest things we struggle to accept is that the way that we live our lives outside of the bedroom affects how we then experience our mind and body once we like step into the bedroom. Yes. And so embodied sex, which is like what I'm all about, is a mindfulness skill. And so really not wanting to set up any like hierarchy or sense of like, oh, like if there's any part of you listeners that are like, oh man, my head's always really active as well. Like that's just so normal. That deserves compassion as well. But a couple of things that you can play with is cultivating sensate awareness. So sensate meaning the sensations in your body. So I spoke about this a little earlier of Just like meditation, how can you bring your awareness back to the sensations of pleasure again and again and again throughout your play and do it gently, like let it be okay that your mind might wander from time to time. So that's like part one. Some other things that can be helpful is using your breath, 
using sounding, so these things that help us to inhabit our bodies, so sounding the vowel sounds can be helpful. And there's a difference between like performative sounding, right, and then sounding from the sensations in your body, but often we have to fake it till we make it and like experiment in the in-between of that but like sounding from the sensations uh, and also moving your body the more you move your body that helps us to quieten the mind and yeah be with the body's experience amazing I will try all of those and get back to you (laughs) so Michelle what advice do you have for people that believe that you shouldn't masturbate if you are in a relationship or people that become upset if their partner masturbates while they're in a relationship. At ATMS, we have people kind of referencing or asking this question a lot of us. So do you have any thoughts around this? Yeah, totally. This is a big thing with my audience as well and has definitely been a thing in my own experience in relationships in the past too. So the stories that people have shared with me again and again is this feeling like they're taking away from the relationship or that there's some element of infidelity or the story that if you're getting enough from your partner, you shouldn't need to self-pleasure And, you know, the theme with all of that is the sense of scarcity around our pleasure. But when we come back to one of the benefits we talked about earlier of masturbation is like the ability to form a really empowered relationship with your sexual self, Mm. you know, that being the most important sexual relationship you'll ever have, you actually are able to then overflow from your self-pleasure practice into your relationships with others. So when you nourish your own sexual relationship, like it supports you to like overflow. What I'd maybe add is I think people don't often talk about how some people have experienced partners like masturbation habits actually being disruptive to the relationship as well, right? So I've worked with many couples where maybe one partner is – a little like escaped from the relationship and is like living in the world of porn addiction and fantasy. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like that can be a thing as well, but I think that regardless the way out of it is normalizing masturbation in relationships and being willing to have conversations about it. So my partner and I, when I first started coming into this work Mm -hmm. and was all like, okay, wow, like all of these new tools, all of these new mindsets, (laughs) We really went on that journey of it being something that we'd learned to hide because that's the way it had always been for us to talking about it, starting to share vulnerably around what's going on with our own relationship to masturbation, the fears we had around letting the other person into some of, you know, that for ourselves. Mm. And now we're at a place where I'll be like, you know, hey, babe, do you want to have sex later on? And if he's like, oh, I'm exhausted I'm just not in the mood. I'll be like, okay, sweet. I'm going to go masturbate later on. And he might even come and set up the space for me. And Aww. like, you know, I, so I think I really encourage people to go on the journey to change that in your relationships. It's well worth it. Agreed. I love that they set up the space for you. That is <laughs> so delightful. <laughs> I mean, I definitely asked for it. <laughs> I feel like this will be cute if we start this ritual. <laughs> I love it. I'm I'm doing it. <laughs> so 
do sex toys play a role in your own self-pleasure at all? Um, do you consider those an important part of your masturbation practice, if so? Yes, yeah, they definitely do. Ooh. So toys are tools, right? And different toys work in different ways for different bodies and support us towards like different goals and desires. I imagine that you are in conversation with your audience about this all of the time. Oh, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So really, I think the magic is in choosing tools that truly expand our erotic experience. And so for me, my pleasure expanders are glass ones. I love them. I love metal ones. I'm also kinky. And so I love all of my like kink toys so I'm like all about the toys oh Oh, yes we're all about the toys here obviously (laughs) (laughs) but you're so right I love the term tools because that's what they are you can use them alone you can use them with partners and they can stimulate the body in ways that other people or your own self can't they can pulsate and vibrate and they can just do amazingly beautiful things that you won't get to experience without them and I love them so I'm happy to hear that you love them too (laughs) (laughs) so finally Michelle and I'm really sorry to do this to you but I am going to ask a little tricky question if you had to give up masturbation or partnered sex and that can be whatever sex means to you for one month which would you choose? In this present moment, I would give up masturbation. That <gasps> wouldn't always be my answer. The only reason is that my partner and I are in a real sexual summer at the moment. And so, Ooh. like, the partnered sex is just real good. I'm real inspired by it at the moment. Oh, so I'm like, do not, not give that, that up. up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is a great answer and a great reason to just kick masturbation to the curve (laughs) oh well thank you so much for joining me on the show michelle we actually are running a workshop together on may 19th on zoom you can find all of the details for that in the show notes and of course there are links to all of michelle's work and some of your courses that you run too if people are interested in finding out a bit more Yay! Thanks so much, Emma. Thanks for joining me, Michelle. You've been listening to the Electric Rodeo podcast for Adult Toy Megastore, produced by Sound Cartel. Follow Electric Rodeo free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And for more sex and relationships explained, follow at Electric Rodeo Podcast on Instagram. Mm-hmm.